Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Insane in the membrane. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's me, Rich Wilson, and today I'm joined by the brilliant poet Dan Whitlam. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on. It's nice Thanks to have you here, man. Nice to have you. You good? You well? Yeah, I'm good. I'm keeping well. Yeah, it's almost almost springtime, so I'm very oh. I'm get, getting pretty happy right now. It's gorgeous. I love springtime. I, I think it's my favourite time of the year. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It just feels so full of opportunity. It does, doesn't it? It just changes your whole outlook and everything. I think yeah. you kind of, you know, you step outside and all of a sudden you're just, you're just feeling better about yourself. I love it. Oh man, it's so good. I like, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I do like, you know, walking around in the rain. If yeah. I'm wrapped up and I'm, you know, not too wet, but springtime, man, just, just, I just love it. This, everything smells different. It's just, everything's opening up. It's a beautiful thing. It is, isn't it? And there's such a, I think there's such a thing around people in um, like seasons, you know, mm. in winter, you just kind of want to hide away and wrap yourself up and just put your head down. Yeah. And just more and more people out and about during spring, going into summertime. And yeah, it's, it's lovely, man. It's getting me properly excited. Honestly, I stepped up this morning with a big old <laughs> smile on my face. I was like, right, what are we yeah. doing? What's happening? I love it. I love it. I think you're right. We, because we are basically, you know, fundamentally we're animals. And so we need to hibernate. We get that urge to sort of stay under the covers and just eat shit food for a few months <laughs> in the dark. And, you know, I think we should no, give ourselves completely. a bit more of a break, you know? I, I agree, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's also just fine to do that, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's such, a, there's such a thing around people wanting to be busy all the time. Like, I don't think, I don't think the UK is as bad as America. I mean, Christ, it's almost like, you know, you have like one day off a year or two days off in America. Man. And it's kind of like this battle of who can sort of work the hardest. But I think it's, <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? It's kind of needed in the UK just to be able to have a little break and whatnot. Yeah. It is funny when I see all the videos. I mentioned this on another episode. I see these videos now and you see some. There's normally an American dude and he's going, I am up at 3 a.m. I drink 15 gallons of water. I've done this, that and the other by midday. And then I start again at 1 p.m. And I'm right through till midnight. You're like, all right, mate. Just have a sit down. Just you know, have a biscuit. Should I have a cup of tea? Just have a cup of a tea. Bit, you know, put your feet up, mate. Honestly, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a competition the whole time. But it feels like yeah. that. It's definitely a sort of a, you know, battle, battle to see who can get one step ahead. This sort of like no days off attitude. I think that's There's a lot of yeah. that in America. Yeah, I know what you mean. Is that kind of yeah, you're wasting time if you're you don't know. Sometimes it's just nice to just sit around in your dressing gown. I mean, if you're doing it every day, then you need to go and probably talk to someone. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, see someone, talk to your mates, you know, yeah. see what's going on. Yeah, but you know, yeah, put some shoes on, you know, just do something. But I think every now and again, just have a day where you do nothing. You know, you're allowed. Oh, completely. Yeah, I think it, it should be celebrated, you know. 
yeah. even if you just sort of like got up, I read um I read something recently and it was they were saying that um even if you just got sort of you know if things are quite bad getting out of bed even that should be a little celebration because it's yeah. the little the little steps which add up to the the big steps you know so yeah. it's kind of celebrating those little mini victories which is often a good thing to do absolutely tiny victories man and that is, and it's that yeah because it, it, i know i do know people that, 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 that there's a couple of comics that i know and they're always like yeah i don't that, don't call me in the morning i'm not around in the morning and i'll be i'll be around in the afternoon and just things like that you kind of go if you get up before midday mm. you know that's a little victory if you get up if you you know if you, if you can get up earlier and just go for a walk and you know, you don't have to be running marathons. But oh, completely. You, just, you know, yeah. just do something different that you didn't do yesterday. No, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate for that, and I completely agree with you on that. It's um, it is the mini victories, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and just noticing things. I'm just noticing your t-shirt actually. That album, Super Tramp, Crime of the Century, was around when I was a kid. My dad always had it on. Yeah. And now I've got. I own. I've now got that. I've now owned it. My dad gave me all these records a little while ago. Right. And so. I'm so surprised to see that on your T-shirt. That's Honestly, amazing. Yeah, it's um, because my, my dad's a musician now, but um, right. he um, when I was growing up, he was, he was always playing sort of you know REM or uh, Genesis, Pink Floyd, Supertramp, nice. uh, going into Coldplay, etc. So I kind of I grew up with all this music, and then this yeah. was his T-shirt. Oh wow! And you know how a lot of parents have like a band drawer, like a T-shirt with full of like yeah, old band yeah. um, T-shirts and memorabilia and stuff. And my dad has his drawer filled with t-shirts and I kind of looked through it and I saw this. I was like, right, I'm having this. Thanks, dad. <laughs> um, but it's a good album, isn't it? It's, it's brilliant. a great album. It's a fantastic, even now, Dreamer, when that comes on, I, I'm, I'm instantly trans, transported back to when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Just that, uh, that opening keyboard. Oh my God, just. Did you ever see them, did you ever see them live or anything I never like saw them live, unfortunately. Did no. you? No, 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 didn't, no. Oh man. Who's the, been... um, who do you reckon is the best sort of like group that you've seen live in terms of music? Oh wow! Um, oh my god! I actually went to see. It's a big I saw, question. It's a, I've seen so many, so many artists. I've been really lucky to, to go to a lot of gigs. I went to see um, a couple of lads from Gomez uh, the other night. Oh wow! Yeah, they were playing in Brighton. Um, I don't know their individual names, but they were. It was just the two of them. Oh, and the bass player came out and joined them for a few. Oh my god! They're so talented so talented just the two of them making this absolute racket it was brilliant <laughs> and it's just things like that you go fuck this is it this is this is what i i get i get such a buzz from seeing music i'm seeing bands yeah. i fucking yeah. love it man what about you um i think i just yeah i've all, i think maybe because my dad i just have such a like affinity towards you know one person on the stage piano maybe a background orchestra or something like that but i saw um I went to see Billy Joel with my dad oh, and just like, wow. I don't know, growing up with like Piano Man and mm. these other classics, seeing that was pretty special. Um, yeah, that was pretty special. Do you know who I'm going to see in a couple of weeks? I'm going to see Elton John. How no way! Yeah, so we, I think we were supposed to see him during, um, during COVID. I was supposed to go with my dad and see uh, Elton John and then the Eagles the following week. Wow. Uh, to like, you know, absolute yeah. Hall of Famers. But um, yeah, Elton John's been uh, cancelled for about sort of whatever it's been now, like nearly three years. So Shit. it's finally, um, it's finally happening. So I'm really excited to see that. So I'm seeing that in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> see, which again, again, yeah. Well, again, I was, sorry, I talked over you then. What were you going to say? No, it just like suits me to a T, the kind of, yeah. you know, piano, singing. Yeah. Um, see, so yeah, I'm properly excited for that. I think <laughs> see, I love that. I, I, I've been really lucky to, to be, to be, my, my mum, my parents aren't musicians, but I was always surrounded by records and music. And so I, 
I don't remember a time when there wasn't any music. There was always... Mm. So we had Super Tramp, and then we had... It was Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I seem to remember that being on a lot. I remember every time you put the radio on, uh, Good Vibrations by the Beatles was always on. Yeah. Uh, by Beach so. Boys, sorry. And, yeah, just... I was always surrounded by Bob Dylan and the Stones and, and all this great music. I've been really lucky. And I think it's I think it's important to surround your kids with with decent music, you know. Yeah, massively. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you got children yourself? I do. Yeah, yeah. And it's right. funny how they 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 say stuff. They'll go, I'll put a song on in the car, and they'll just go, Oh man, I remember this when I was a kid. Because my my lads are older now, right, and they so. go, Oh my god, I remember this song, Dad. I used to love this. And you go, Well, I didn't even know you were taking any notice. And like, oh yeah, I love this. Yeah, it's it's funny. important. Yeah, absolutely. But it, yeah, but it's, you know, that's that's a form of inheritance, I guess. You know, the things that you just play around uh, in the home that you think someone's not taking any notice to, they really kind of like soak it up. Yeah, I definitely absolutely. found that with my, I just grew up with my dad, but it was everything that he's sort of done and imparted. Whether it's like, you know, I think even like, uh, you know, just talking around the dinner table, you get informed about, you know, however much your parents maybe ask you sort of questions or et cetera, you take that confidence that you gain around the dinner table into school or late life or whatever it is. Um, and I think there's just so much that happens at home that like, you know, Definitely, affects us yeah. further, further down the line. Um, which is just interesting to think about that, isn't it? Yeah. The, um, yeah, yeah. You don't realize what, how, what kids are absorbing. Yeah, yeah, and how you're formed and how that yeah. creates you in later life. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and I feel I you know what it's not when I was listening to your stuff, uh-huh. and it's what I love is like I was listening to uh, Quick Intimacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then so I can't remember there was another couple that I was listening to. The songwriters that I really admire, the people that can tell a story in three minutes, like a whole story, right. uh-huh. and those are people I love. And I was listening to your stuff, and I was like, you're tackling some pretty heavy topics, but in such a beautiful way. Like you're getting over, the, you're getting the the, the the point across in such a mm. wonderful way. I was genuinely, I was walking, was walking up the road, and I, and I stopped in my tracks, going, "This is amazing." Oh, yeah, like, mate, I really yeah. appreciate that. Thank and you, that's honestly. it's such a skill. It's such an incredible skill to have to get a, get all those points across in such a short space of time. Mm. You know, and then is that is that? I mean, it, it obviously takes time to get to that point, but yeah, where did it start for you? Um. It, it's funny you talk about um, like time and getting thing, things go quite quickly because I had um, so I, I went to I'm an actor as well and I went to yeah. I went to Guildhall which is a school in uh, Moorgate and I was there for three years but we had a um, we had a poetry teacher um, and I wasn't really into sort of poetry or you know rapping or writing at the time but she said can you create a uh, a six word poem and right. you can hold like words within words so I did a poem about um, forget-me-nots you know the flower yeah but then within the word forget-me-not you've got uh what for forget uh, get me and also not so i kind of like created a six word poem out of that wow which, um it turned out to be quite lengthy just using six <laughs> words um and i think um what did i do yeah so i think i i did about a girl who i'd just broken up with and i wrote um cease be us thus cease be me cease be being without she she with he thus out be me cease be us thus cease be me and i wrote that and i was like oh absolutely love just like playing with words and messing yeah. around with uh rhyme and you know playing words forwards and then backwards um and from there i then wrote another thing at drama school 
where um, I, I basically I got stabbed when I was 16 in oh, London. Uh, which, yeah, it's pretty intense. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I was coming out of an audition in uh, Caledonian Roads and my friend got, he was getting mugged and I basically went over to go and help him out. And during that process, I got stabbed twice in the back with a screwdriver. Shit, And it man. kind of, that really influenced my kind of, uh, my writing for sure. But I remember, um, I remember being in hospital and it's, it's kind of crazy to think about now, but I remember my dad came over to me and for some reason I started saying, um, I started talking about like university choices. And, um, you know, I didn't go to university. I went, well, I went to drama school, so it's a slightly mm. different route. But I just remember saying to him, I was like, oh dad, I don't, I don't have a subject, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, and I think to then write about the subject that led to me talking to, you know, that about my dad, and then mm. to write about the stabbing at drama school uh, just driving in Caledonian Road, but then writing about it at drama school. Um, and then, you know, that was the kind of start of it because I then, I wrote that poem and then that got commissioned by BBC Radio 4. And that was then out on a programme, BBC Radio 4. And that led to me doing more like live shows uh, with So Far Sounds, so like a gigging platform in London. Um, and then just writing more and more and more and then sort of realising that, you know, like content is king these mm. days. So just kind of pushing all of that out. Yeah. Um, but it's, it just really goes to show you that, you know, I think everyone thinks that, I don't know, a path of whatever you're doing is sort of linear, but it's very much, you know, oh yeah, crazy. Yeah. The, the lines are wild and it can be ups and downs and, you yeah. know, completely plateauing and then things can take off. My, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it all, it all started at drama school really. And then I just started putting out more and more and more and uh, yeah. Putting Amazing. it out for no one, looking at it, and then now some more people are looking at it, and yeah. So it's funny, really. it, it is funny, isn't it, when, because you do it because you want to do it, and then you hope that someone will see it, mm. and it's that, and, it, and it, like you say, you, you, you plateau, then it spikes again, and you're off, and, and it goes like that all the time. It's, it's, what, it's, 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 try, it's so difficult to keep going, isn't it, to keep pushing, when, some, when it feels like no one's taking any notice. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard to find the motivation to keep pushing on. Oh, but completely like honestly that's the, like you you must get this as a you know as a writer as well as a, as a comic it's kind of like would you still do it if there was and it's so hard for you as well because it's like would you yeah. still do it if there was no one in the room um, yeah you know you kind of you feed off that it's not necessarily like appraisal but it's almost uh, a reaction to what you're doing is good yeah. and I guess with your job especially it's so difficult because you can tell if you're doing a good job like <laughs> then and there in the moment right yeah but they're either laughing or they're not so you've got to be is that quite <laughs> difficult to gauge that? It is hard, especially when it's going badly. You kind of like, oh god, and you and you go right. I'll just give them this. I know this works. This massive bit of material. I know this is a killer, and you yeah. drop it, and it, nothing happens. You're like, oh fuck, I've got nothing left. Oh man, it's, it's a long day at the office. It's a long day yeah, at the office. But absolutely. it's like with your stuff, like you putting your stuff out there, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you, mm. you can have days where you go, what is the fucking point, man? Yeah, and you just have to find it within yourself to just go, no, no, no. I'm, I love doing it. Mm. I know there's going to be, and so when you start getting the feedback from people, they go, "Oh man, this is amazing!" Absolutely, and what a day that is when that starts to happen. It honestly is, and it can go. Um, I think someone told me ages ago they were like, you know, even if it's just one person that you affect in some kind of way, mm. then that can be a massive win. And I think I remember that it was because um, I started a lot of this on you know social media, like a lot of people, so like Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that. But um, I think one person commented just like, oh, this is really, this is really cool. Like, I'm really enjoying this. Please do more. 
and I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna carry on doing it and put more stuff out. And um, it's definitely a bonus when people like what you're doing. But I've now, I've now kind of find it when I'm at home, just you know, writing in in my studio. It's like that's just my happy place now. I really, yeah. really enjoy doing that. So I think it's trying to find more of like the uh, the happiness in the pursuit rather than the pursuit of <coughs> happiness. You know? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. What a brilliant way to put it as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to find more of that, and I think I am finding more of it just by being more like consciously present about what I'm doing. Because I used to do it a lot of the time where I was just sort of like end gaming, and I was like, right, how many views is this going to do? Oh, yeah. Um, and especially now that you know, but that's the thing. TikTok's crazy for for sort of any sort of artist, I think, because it's it's it can be a free marketing tool because then you know people can. I've had it where I've got you know a lot of my clients that I write for now. It's based off from them seeing one of my videos online. So I guess now I'm kind of like, oh, if this video does well, then it can lead to you know yeah, more work, yeah, yeah. etc. So it's quite a um, it, it can become a dangerous sort of place to live at times. So I think Definitely. you need to step back and remember why you're doing it. But I think that's that is absolutely bang on. You do get swept up in that kind of well, but the numbers, the numbers, this mm. you know, and you're always like, but if I, yeah, if I get to that, then I'll get that, and you kind of lose. Yeah, you lose why you started in the first place. You're absolutely right. Um, but you've been through so much. Like you've just mentioned, you just casually dropped that you got yeah, stabbed. Yeah, sorry, I, dro- I dropped a lot just there, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, um, well, we need to... I mean, how did that feel? Because I've, you know, I've, never, I've never had that happen to me. Yeah. What went through your head? Did you realise what had happened? Um, at the time, I just remember I was running... You know, for anyone who's been in a... Well, it can be anything, you know, a mm. fight or some kind of sports match or anything you're getting hit a bit i was um i was running down the roads and then i was getting chased at the time um and i didn't know i'd just been stabbed uh with a screwdriver in the back but i got to the bottom of the road and they kind of left me alone and um i turned to my i turned to my best friend george and i said to him i was like oh you know when you get a dead leg and it just everything Mm. goes kind of numb i said to him i was like oh mate i feel like it's like i got a whole my whole back's kind of dead um and he was like oh lift up your shirt and i lifted up my shirt and it was just you know, blood all down my back. Oh my God. And then I think adrenaline either sort of weared off then or it built up again. Mm. I started panicking a bit. And then, um, you know, there's like reflective um, mirrors they have in, on Nisa Locals or whatever it is. Yeah. I had a look there. I then realized the reality of everything. Uh, called my own ambulance. And they were amazing. They were there so quickly. And mm. um, I was, yeah, I was then in the hospital and then they did like a chest drain where they put something in to like drain your lung of any fluid and stuff. Oh my God. But it's, um, I, th- I think it's, you know, within, within the nature of your, your uh, podcast, which is brilliant and so, so necessary to, you. you know, well, men of all ages essentially, mm. um, well, it's, you know, and women as well. But it's kind of like, I think that was when I f- first had an experience of, firstly like a panic attack, but then also... Um, trauma-born uh, anxiety. Right. Because then for the next probably three years, I was the only reason I called an ambulance was because my lung collapsed. It uh, was because my um, I'd been stabbed. It wasn't because my lung collapsed. Mm. So for the next three years, I kept thinking my lung was spontaneously collapsing. Oh, wow. And it got, it got and I'd give myself these panic attacks and it gets to such a bad stage where I'd, um, I bought you can buy this kind of like monitor which can tell you how much oxygen is in your um, your lungs, how much they're holding. Right, okay. And I bought one of these online because I just wanted to be able to, oh. if I was worrying, I could buy it and just like put my finger down and check everything. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, that followed me around for ages. And it was, um, yeah, just, I, th- I think understandably so, but it's a really, 
nasty time and a nasty thing to go through. Yeah, but absolutely. The, um, the craziest thing was with my my attitude towards the person who who stabbed me, who was another young man, another guy who I've forever said was wrong place in the wrong time, which is mm. the same as me. Um, and through, uh, he basically got 18 months in juvenile detention and then got two years of tagging. And that was on a joint enterprise of uh, GBH, which as an right. adult carries the same sentence as attempted murder. Oh but um, for a guy under 18, you know, clean record after that. Um, but part of the juvenile detention center uh, rehabilitation program was that you can reach out to someone that you've uh, done wrong by or, you know, oh, wow. whatever. So uh, I went to collect my coat like two years later, the one that I'd been stabbed in, mm. um, because I had some sort of personal belongings in it and stuff like that. And they said, oh, there's this letter's arrived for you. Would you like to, would you like to look at it to see what this person said? And um, I said, yeah, I wanted to see it. Because, um, yeah. you know, I think a bit of closure, a bit of acceptance, yeah. but more just curiosity. I was like, oh, what's this, what's this guy want to say? Mm. Um, and there was just like so much remorse and uh, interest into what I'm up to now, um, things that he's thought about, things that he's going to get on with. And, oh, wow. and I don't know if it got to him. I'd like to think it did. I, I wrote a letter back to him mm. and just sort of saying that, you know, there's acceptance on my behalf. It's, uh, I honestly do believe it was the wrong person at the wrong time. And yeah. that then I put that in my, um, my poem. I kind of did... Um, the first half of this stabbing poem is me and my day going to this theater and getting stabbed. And then it resets. And in exactly the same way, it's the guy who stabbed me's journey to the theater. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like two halves of the same coin, just yeah. to show that, you know, it's both young men, both people who are in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so much of the, you know, I think that, well, the epidemic of knife crime is that I, I honestly want to believe it's wrong people, wrong place mm. at the wrong time for a lot of people. Um, and there's no like, I didn't want that to be any victimization or witch hunting, it just, yeah. it was what it was. Um, uh, don't remember, remember how I got onto that, but um, <laughs> yeah. No, but so, it's, all, it's all linked, man, it's all linked, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was the kind of, um, the uh, the stabbing stuff. But then I um, I reached out, the reason, because it went, it went quite big on, um, uh, in terms of like news outlets and stuff like that. Mm. And I think it was a lot because I'm, you know, like a middle class white boy getting stabbed. It was, yeah. um, I think at the time, really horrifically so, it's a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. Um, and also because there was a boy called Ben Kinsella who um, got stabbed 17 times in the same spot that I was in and he, sadly, he sadly died. But his sister, um, who's an actress, she then uh, stopped her whole career and started a new one being an advocate for um, uh, you know, an anti-knife crime charity, which mm. is called the Kinsella Trust. And I then reached out to them and I said, um, you know, I'd love to help them in any way I can. Um, and yeah, I've been, I've been working with them and also another charity called Lives Not Knives, which is based right. in Croydon, just trying to, you know, help in any way I can. And I, that's why I like to think that, you know, if a poem or like someone's art can sort of help in any which way it can, then, yeah. you know, do it. Just try and get the, the word out there. This Continue is it, the conversation. Like, yeah. This is it. Listening to your stuff, you were talking. There was there was one, and you were talking about opening up, and you know about it's about men mm. not being able to open up. And it's true. We, we're getting there. The conversations are happening, but it's still going to take a while. Like 
I've said this before, but it won't be our generation that benefits. It'll be the next, but the next generation will benefit, which is why we're doing this, which goes back to your work. Like you, like you said, you know, someone's going to, someone somewhere might listen to it or, or, or see the artwork and they'll just yeah. go, oh my God. And it, it'll change their, it was changed their path. You know, and it just like you say, just one person that listens to you know that the, the, the poem about opening up and talking to your mates and things like mm. that. That that's one person that's not going to end their life, Completely. which is so important. Completely. It's it's so important what you're doing. I, I, honestly, yeah. I really I really appreciate that, and it's it's brilliant, mate. Yeah, it's just and it's it's you know it's what you said. I've I've had I've had a lot of young men uh, reach out to me and sort of saying you know often you know paragraphs about how you know very personal things have happened to them and saying you know you're really i think it was it was one of the best sort of things i've ever heard someone say but he essentially said you're helping me understand my own emotion a bit better brilliant and it's kind of like oh wow so then you know in a way in a way i'm not you know writing for myself you're writing to help other people understand something yeah. and i don't i'm not sure if i believe that but i think it's uh that was one of the highest forms of flattery i was like that's in, that's incredible man that's absolutely amazing um but it is funny i think we do going like i've, I've gone through a, a breakup recently which has battered me oh man uh, I, yeah, I, could, I don't know if I it's like i don't know if it's like the old you get you kind of you put more on on people and you kind of think you know this is my this is my forever or whatever yeah um but uh yeah like you know it really battered me but it's it's funny that during moments when we're going through uh you know intense sadness or grief we kind of i think we do turn to to art a little bit more whether it's you know novels or poems or or film or music or whatever it is you know we do we do sit inside our room and we kind of put on the saddest like record we have and stuff like that and it's yeah. kind of like it's quite nice to just sit in that and you know understand it a bit better yeah absolutely um, yeah yeah and i've just become such an advocate for for that because i think in the past i've been like no you know you can't you can't feel sadness you can't you can't do that <laughs> and i kind of paint it in any other color that was a little bit brighter um and just like you know fill my my life with sort of noise to avoid the the silence yeah and i think it's just it's so important to first of all sit in it but also just be able to talk quite frankly to to to, to people about it you know your mates yeah absolutely it's, it's so important you don't realise it until you, because you, until you do it, you don't realise how important it is. You go, no, I don't want to burden anyone with this. I'll be, yeah. I'll, I'll be all right. I'll just, just pull my socks up and I'll just get on with it. But then you're going to have a pint with a mate, and then it was all just start spilling out. And mm. then the next day you wake up, and you just feel lighter. You just go, fuck. Massively. That's exactly what I needed. I needed to just, I don't, you know, and just when you're talking to someone, you're not necessarily expecting them to have all the answers and or give you any advice. You just need to just get it out of your body and into the ears of someone. Just, just get it out. And then, it, you know, it's like if you've got a house that's full of shit, the best thing to do is just go, pull it all out. Just pull it all out and then pick out the bits that you want to keep. Get rid of the rest. You know, and then start putting it back in. Then you got your house in a bit more in order. You know, and that's the same of talking to people. Mm. Just get the shit out of your body, and 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 you'll you'll feel so much better the next day. I'm guaranteed completely with you. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you always been quite good at talking to to your mates or people? Not or, really. No. Or was it a, a, a change that happened in you? Or what was this that? is. I think it was later on. I think it was when I first first had counselling, mm. which is why the podcast has, exists. Is because I had counselling, and then. I was in a green room one day and someone said to me, I think it's Milo McCabe, he does Troy Hawk, and he said to me, how are you? And I told him 
truthfully. And he went, oh, my God. And then he started telling me some stuff. Mm. Suddenly we had this whole different conversation that wasn't the usual, how you been, how are the gigs? It was just like, yeah, I've been feeling a bit like that lately. We had a real moment. And it really, it really did change everything, you know. This is why wow. the podcast exists. And and I, even with, because my dad, my dad's a beautiful man, uh, but never really spoke about how he's felt once or twice maybe throughout his life. Yeah. But he's in his 70s now, and last year he suddenly opened up to me in the car and just told me about how he, how he felt when he was growing up. And I was like, fucking hell. So, even, so there's no time limit to it. It doesn't matter how old you are. You just if we can get people speak talking it, it, it all helps you know and i imagine like was it easy to talk to your dad did you have because you said you, you were just you were brought up by your dad yeah brought up by my dad yeah so yeah. it's my dad's uh yeah my dad's from dad's from yorkshire from uh he's from bradford and both his parents right. were both parents were teachers uh he told me recently his dad never never hugged him um right and i yeah. think which is you know it's it may have been the norm for a lot of uh i think it was the a norm lot of parents yeah, yeah. But he, um, I think he certainly made it a uh, a real thing in his head that he was going to do completely the opposite of that. So me and my dad have always been, we've always been really, really close and definitely been able to talk to each other, but mm. more so in the sense of, okay, you've got a problem, let me fix it. How can I fix that? Yeah. Rather than just like, I just want to speak. I just want to vent. Let me, let me get it out. And I think that, I think it's a tendency with, with I'm generalizing, but men to kind of put on a fix it hat and be like, yeah. you know, how can I sort out your problem? Uh, you got an issue how can I make it better rather than just being an open ear and I think a lot of the time we just we just want an open ear just someone to yeah. to speak to you know so, and I think that's what you, you spoke about counselling but I've started um, I started counselling recently mm. and I kind of um, I put it off for so long because I think there's a lot of people you know if you get hurt in a sports injury because uh, I got a sporting background but you you know you go to physiotherapy and it's a it's an indication of you getting better you know you're getting therapy on your um your body, you're a bit weak, but you're going to become stronger. But then as soon as you say you're going to, um, you know, psychotherapy for your head, people think yeah. there's something wrong with you. Like you're sick. Um, and I think it's the, well, the separation between like, you know, mind and body and uh, how society looks at you getting, you know, therapy for your, for your mind. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it should be in schools, honestly. Just well, I think so, yeah. The, the time when puberty is horrible. I don't mm. envy anyone who's at school now. I, I, I oh, really, parts of it didn't like. But, you know, if we can implement that and have, even if it's just school counsellors, but everyone being able to just talk for, you know, however yeah. long it is. Because it's a rarity in life that you get to talk for, you know, 40 minutes in, in, in un, um, uninterrupted or just probed into certain, certain corners. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a... Uh, it's something we should we should implement more of, really. I think so, and like you say, puberty is the one. It's you know, there's it, it, not yeah. You just need someone to turn around and just say to you, everything you're feeling and thinking is right. Mm. It's it's a fucked up time for you. These chemicals are raging, and you don't know what to do with yourself. But and I think when I was growing up, they didn't really talk to us about that. They didn't yeah. really. They they just kind of they kind of glossed over it a bit. They mentioned it in passing almost like a teacher would make a comment like there's always one of the teachers that was a bit more he was sort of you're a bit more connected to him than the others like he you know he'd swear and things like that and he'd go all right stop fucking around lads. just sit sit down you know like and he'd, and he'd make jokes about things and he uh, he would sometimes sort of talk about it but we never really got sat down and explained why one minute we're we're fucking happy as going we're just bouncing off the walls and the next minute we're miserable 
and we we just feel we're just randy and we're this and we're that and it wasn't really explained and mm. i think you're right it needs to be explained isn't it it needs to sit down and just go look you know your 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 body's changing you're changing and it will keep and it's going to change again you're going to you're going to keep changing there's going to be a different version of you later on and i don't think it's really explained enough you know i'm completely yeah. i'm completely with you yeah but it's like you know the first time you have a a real down period you can, unless you have someone to speak to about it or to take influence from, you kind of think, well, this is it then. This is mm. me forever. I'm just yeah. never going to feel feel good again. <laughs> so like you need someone to be able to go to. Go, no, no, it's, it's all part of it. It's ups yeah. and downs. And, you know, you're going to be able to turn around from this. And that's when hindsight's amazing because you can look back and go, oh, wow, that, that happened to me. Let me let me learn from that. And, yeah, you know, it's such an informative time, sort of the ages of, you know, whenever, 11 years old to 21 or whatever it is. And just to be able to to, to to know everything's going to be all right. There's a lot of videos going around. You've probably seen them about um, people, I think young people asking people when they're 30 saying, uh, if, you could te- if you could tell yourself a few, a few lessons when you're going through your 20s, what would, you, what would you say? And the majority of the time, they always just say to just be a bit easier on myself. Yeah. Just to not, not be so hard. Because like we were saying earlier, there's, especially in London, a tendency to think, all right, you know, I need to, I need to be the hardest worker in the room. I need to achieve mm. this. And I need to achieve that. And if you keep thinking my life's going to start when I get this new job or I get this new girlfriend or this new house, you're just living a provisional life. And it's, you know, oh, yeah. it's never actually going to begin. You're just going to be chasing something that doesn't exist. That's so true. It's come up a few times on here where there's, there's no destination. You know, there's, you've just yeah. got to just, you just keep doing things. You know, your life is just going to keep, you're just going along and doing different things and then one day you're not you're not here that's yeah. it and so give yourself a break be kind to yourself mm. don't think again this came up the other day on another on another episode where we were saying like you know there's pressure by on society keeps so much pressure on you to have achieved certain things at a certain time like you get to your thirties, so that's when you should now own your own house you're married oh my god yeah. you might have kids you might have this and that's society just wants you to conform so you're part of the system so you can make millionaires more money that's what that's all about there's no kind of no one really talks about the fact that just look as long as you're being decent to yourself and everyone around you mm-hmm. and you've got you've got money in your pockets and you and you you know you, you you're, you're able to afford certain things go and go and do stuff go mm. out and you don't have to be in your 30s married with kids you don't have to do that completely but everyone thinks it's that one blueprint that you know you need a yeah. white picket fence and a house and doing all of that <laughs> well, and and then those people are miserable yeah completely I'm completely with you on that hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. But it is, it is like, uh, it's, it's exacerbated by um, social media, isn't it? Because you can yeah. see these sort of like millionaires at the age of 19 or 20. And then you got people going, oh, well, why, is, why isn't that me? What can I do differently? Or yeah. this freaking, what's this fucking like drop shipping that I'm seeing everywhere? And it's like, oh, it's some Amazon thing where they're trying to hook in sort of like young men in particular and saying, oh, alongside your job, you can make, you know, a thousand pounds a week or something, some sort of nonsense from this like drop shipping uh, where you kind of, you sell items through mm. Amazon that are where households the product and all you do is kind of, you know, right. send it and ship it off. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's kind of perpetuating the behavior of, no i think i think the idea of wanting to earn money is brilliant and it's admirable mm. but it's also it's essentially saying that if you're not a millionaire you're a failure or as you yeah. said if you don't own a house by 30 you're a failure which is nonsense yeah absolute nonsense it's ridiculous yeah. all these things that that selling thing just sounds like uh, when you've got a mate and he says i've got this miracle diet stuff yeah and uh i, I want you to help me sell it Mm. And you have to buy X amount of these things and then you flog them on and this pyramid thing. And it's always the people at the top. They're the ones with all the money. And it, it, you go, no, this is just a scam. Don't get yeah, involved with this. Completely. And this is the thing, people, yes, the, the, the desire to earn some money and have a good life for yourself, absolutely. But what people want, what people are seeing with social media is it's a quick way to do it. Mm. And so, and that happens for four people a year. They become millionaires through Instagram or wherever. Yeah, but that's four people out of seven billion in the world. You know, it's not it's not that easy to do. No, yeah, that's but people are looking for the easy option, aren't they? That's what people want every single time. And the yeah, the easiest option, which is it's super attractive, is you know, it means you don't have to really do a lot for potentially yeah. a lot of gain. But it is the people who just keep grafting and grafting and grafting. Then I think um, I was listening to one of your podcasts this um, this morning. And it was sort of the the idea of like you know, going out and putting the hard work in, and that will eventually turn into reward. And it's not yeah. fun. It's not fun waking up at you know, no. six in the morning and going off and doing that. But in at the end of the day, you do sort of you start seeing um start seeing rewards from it. Yeah. But it goes it goes back to the idea of a dream. You know, you got you sort of say in your head, oh, I want this to happen, and then I'll be happy. But it never turns out to be that anyway. And no. it's kind of um, I thought you know, I'm probably living the dreams that I had five years ago. Um, without even without even realizing that I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's all it's all relative, isn't it? I did. I remember. I remember. I was in it a few years ago. I was in a, in a it was in a difficult place in a difficult relationship, and, and I just remember being stood by the river where I used to live, mm. and just standing going, "I just want this to be sorted out. I just want peace of mind. Mm. I just want to be in a better place." And then, sort of five years later, or whatever, you know, I'm sort of I'm sort of I'm living in Brighton now and I, walk, I was walking down the street the other day and I suddenly went, oh yeah, I've got that thing I was after. 
I've got peace of mind. Yeah, there's other stresses and strains, but I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that that feeling I had then is all gone. Yeah, I'm now in a I'm in a better place, like you said, and you go, I didn't even realise it. It just subconsciously somewhere I was just pushing myself on. You know, the uh, the podcast that's kept me going and some other things, but I just kind of on a subconscious level just kept pushing on, and now I'm in a much better place. And that's exactly what you just said. You go, you don't even realise it. It's it, honestly, it's completely that. And that's the thing. There's nothing. Um within these kind of like grief for sure there's nothing to do but sort of walk through it isn't there yeah and there's no there's no quick fixes to that you just need to to get on with it and it's so it's so difficult in relationships because there's the um i think i'm like self-professed sort of uh serial monogamist uh going from like relationship to relationship (laughs) yeah that's the one um (laughs) and i think it's that you know in in the past i have I've met amazing people, but it's it's very much been, oh, I don't know if I can if I can be alone or if I if if I want to spend time alone. I just quickly get back into a next relationship because it would feel like a, you know, well, it would feel comfortable because relationships are great like that. Yeah. They, they hold you up. But I think, uh, and when I finished my relationship, I said to myself, you know, I want to take some real time and be able to be okay by myself. And it's uh, it's only while having this conversation now I'm kind of realizing oh I'm I'm a lot closer to that place than yeah. than I actually thought I was, and it's it's when you actually look in like you know that's something too corny or cliche like looking inwards then you can sort of be like oh I'm I'm actually doing all right I'm doing a lot better than I am yeah but it comes from a hell of a lot of just inner work and you know really thinking about what you're putting out and what you're doing yeah man you don't even know you're doing it that's what I mean no. you just, yeah. like you just said suddenly you go oh actually yeah no that's, I feel I am better I am in a better place especially with relationships when they well, like you said earlier when you, you put so much onto it you go this is it this is my mm. forever and then and there's that moment at the beginning where it's so you know you, you're so into each other it's intoxicating and you just you're just getting lost in each other and you're like oh, I can't believe I found you and blah 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 and then later on, you're like, it's just like you can't even you you can't even be in the same room with each other, and it's that really breaks my heart. And I and I think back, I'm like, fuck, we used to just gaze into each other's eyes and say all these things, and now we don't even talk to each other. Mm. And I find it's so it is a, it's a form of grief, isn't it, that you're having to deal with because you've lost that person. Yeah, it's a lot to take on, man, and you just you don't realise it. But yeah, but you but on a subconscious level, you are dealing with it, and you are it's almost like your brain is going look we'll get through this just let me you carry on with what you've got to do you keep yeah. do, you do your day to day I'll take care of all these thoughts and feelings I'll figure it out we'll get there it's like a whole team working it is isn't it, it to is. try and get this vehicle to to keep going it is and I had the um, yeah the part the partner that I um, that I broke up with she um you know how everyone always says that uh, that thing they're always like oh, it just takes time you know with mm. time it'll get better and she came up with this thing that I thought was genius and she said um, yeah but the thing about time is it takes time yeah. and it's literally you know what do you do with those those minutes weeks or hours you just kind of you're literally thinking about that person a lot a lot mm. and people put so much so much I, I certainly did like put so much into relationships and so much on relationships and then it's exactly like you said, Rich, because I've thought about this, the idea of like, you see that person, you're like, what the fuck happened? Like we yeah. used to be so intimate and so close and so much has changed. Like everything's changed. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm someone who finds, um, certainly in relationships, like change quite quite a mm. difficult thing. Um, I think 
I've spoken about it in my um, in my therapy, but I, I don't know if it's anything to do with you know growing up without a female presence. Right. That when one comes into your life, you're kind of like, oh, this is this is new. This is great. I really want to hold on to this. Um, I don't know if it's something to do with that. I'm sure it's. I'm sure maybe it's. It has like elements of that. Yeah. But um, it's there's just something wonderfully comfort comforting about relationships. But then. On the, to caveat that it's kind of like you can find that in yourself, and I think, yeah. you know, recently I've been like, oh fuck, I can just, I can just have a brilliant time with like my mates, or you know, uh, just enjoying my own, my own company a lot of the time. And I yeah. think the more we find that, the less pressures you put on a relationship, anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely. If when you that inner peace, yeah, is something I always. Every time someone said to me, "Make a wish," I always said, "I want inner peace. I just want to be." I just want I want this these feelings to stop, mm. and I want to be happy with who I am, and 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 I am now. I kind of I mean I, yeah, I have days when you you know oh, you're a fat piece of shit, but those days don't do that to yourself. You know, you know, but, <laughs> but that's it. Just when you you know you might be just a bit tired or you're hungover or whatever. You know it's not it's not all the time. I just have these moments now and again, but then you know it goes away. But yeah, to have that inner peace and just go actually, do you know what? I'm actually I'm all right actually. Mm. And people telling you as well, going, oh, no, you're, you're a good dude. And the fact that you've got people around you, that tells you all you need to know. Because I know people that they they do, they, they push people away with their, with their, with the, because of the way they are. Yeah. And you just go, wow, I feel for you because I'm, I'm obviously doing something right. I've got a lot of people around me that want to be around me. It's a nice feeling. And that just goes to show you that you are, you must be a decent person. Do you know what I mean? I completely know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. If you've got people who wanted to hang out with you, but you know, we'll still get down on ourselves and think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm too much this, I'm too much that. I'm, yeah. I'm a bit shit. But you know, if you look around, you've got amazing people around you. Yeah. And also, I, there was, um, what was it? I wrote, I wrote something the other day, which was like, um, well, it was just playing with the word coffin, but I was like, I prefer to have a friend, uh, like crying and coughing on my shoulder than carrying his, coffin on my shoulder and it's kind of like just the idea of just like just speaking to people man mm. that's it's just so important and it's not said, yeah. said enough you know no I know it's exactly true that's why I was so struck by your work because I was like man this is exactly this is exactly the message it was so it was so well put mm. like just saying it because I say it all the time like just just talk to people just open up talk to each other yeah and then sometimes people hear that so often that they don't even hear it anymore yeah, so, yeah, completely. So listening to so listening to your staff, I'm like, that's yes. Need people need to listen to this, and they'll get they'll they'll get because there's so much. There was so much detail in that one poem. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. really nailed it, man. And then the the video as well. Just it all just I was just I, I stopped in the street and I was like, this is bang on. This is exactly what needs to be said. That oh, I can't you, say man. it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that one I'm going to put out as a um. I've got there's a um, there's a, the, a football player who used to play for Fulham and he now plays um, plays in Nice called uh, Joe Bryan and he um, he helped Fulham get up to the uh, the Premiership again and he's a massive advocate for men's mental health and I, I, certainly someone you should potentially reach out to because he's yeah, um, love to, yeah he's got a great great you know well story and also a great reasoning behind being so involved in this but he reached out to me and he was um, I'm trying to. I want to try and do something with him towards, um, you know, somehow bringing the two worlds together. Because I think 
definitely in sport there's so much of this that goes unsaid because you're you know you constantly need to be on best behavior and uh showing your best face but also leading by example and it's almost um i don't know maybe in the sporting world but we're in a lot of worlds to to speak about mental health can be quite an uncool thing yeah or sort of seeing like what that's taboo you don't talk about that that's that's weird um and i think he's taken an amazing step to to speak about it but um with that poem that you mentioned that's becoming um like a full track and the plan is the partnership with um with mind Excellent. the mental health charity and then also with um you know the voice or the backing of um of joe so um that's the kind of aim for that for that poem because i just Fantastic. think it, yeah you know if you bring things into to well to modern culture then all of a sudden it can be more accessible to people rather than yeah. people sitting with it on their room if they can you know, listen to it on a podcast or listen to it on a song on Spotify or a video on YouTube, they can go, oh, this is way more universal than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just not sit alone with it as much. Yeah, and it's those worlds as well, the the sporting worlds, not just the not just the people involved, but the, but the people that watch, you know, the fans especially. You know, you still see groups of lads. I know when I lived in Stratford, and I'd see all the West Ham fans coming through the station and it was mm. just like, I don't want to be around this. Yeah. You know, and you're like, at no point, it's probably going to be some people in amongst this crowd that are really struggling with their mental health and their only outlet is to go with the lads and get lashed up and then just have a bit of a punch up in a car park mm-hmm. with other fans. And But really, they don't want to do that. And yet, but they're stuck in this world because they don't look like they're weak. You know, and I think, and I, and I think that every time. But then I'm like, well, I'm not going to mention it now while I'm still amongst all these people getting my head kicked in. Yeah, no, completely. <laughs> but it's such, it's such a good point you make when you say, um, you say you don't want to look weak because that's yeah. exactly what it is, isn't it? You with, yeah. you're with your mates and you want to be able to like appear, and you end up doing things you don't want to do. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. peer pressure is a massive thing. Yeah. And people pleasing as well, and you just sort of go along with the ride, and before you know it, you're in too deep, and it's just it's something you don't you don't want to really be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a great... I don't really follow football, but there's a great film called Away Days, and it's it was set in the in the early 80s. So it's talking about the fashion from then as well, like you know, the casuals and things like that. But the, the, they, they focus on two of the lads in in this one particular group. And yeah, every Saturday they're going off and they're, and they're, and they're having these fights. And one of the top boys in the group he get, he gets he becomes friendly with this newer lad that's joined the joint the lad, the lad wants to join this crew hmm. and he's just so he, he starts dressing like them and he wants to get in the group and things like that and he gets friendly with one of the top boys and then one day he goes to the top boy's house and he's got all these trainers but he's got all this artwork and he's talking about music and he's talking about going to berlin and they were saying and there's and there's that quite a bromance kind of starts to happen hmm. And then even the top boys going like, you don't want to be part of this, man. It's a shit life. I want to go to Berlin. Come to Berlin with me. Let's just fuck off. And it becomes quite a... I mean, they use the phrase homoerotic, but there's a love that's building between these two lads. And like the, the younger lad really just wants to get involved with the fighting and all the, he wants the kudos. Whereas this older lad's like, fuck this, man. Let's just fuck off. Let's go. And it was a really nice... It's a beautiful film because it shows you behind the scenes you know like of these football hooligan types it's a fascinating it's a brilliant film that sounds honestly that sounds amazing yeah. I'm going to remember that and watch that it's called Away Days and it's Away got Days. Stephen okay. Graham's in it and people like that and it's a oh, he's amazing. great he's film brilliant. yeah it's a really nice it's a great film I love it but my point is that's what's happening so you see I see these football fans striding through Stratford 
and they're chanting and they're shouting and they're they're very intimidating. They're, you know, not not just not just West Ham fans. When you see lots of these fans together, like in Brighton when they all pile on the train, mm. when I, now I live down there, and it's and you don't want to be near it. But you but I know that for a fact there's going to be lads in there going, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be doing something else. But now I'm stuck. But I don't know what to do. And it would. It would probably take just if two of them just spoke to each other. They'd probably say the same thing. They'd go, yeah, I don't want to do this either. But you know what I mean. So I think footballers now and sporting sport people that they admire in, in the sporting world, it's so great that they're coming out now and talking yeah. about their mental health. Absolutely. Like Peter Crouch and and uh, Ricky Hatton, it's exactly what needs to happen. Because it needs to, it needs to be those kind of people with a voice and uh, yeah, you know, especially Ricky Hatton. You know, you look at you know the world that he was involved in and very much the brutality of of men in you know in a ring literally but it's kind of like for, for if people can look at him as an idol and say you know if someone like that can can speak about their mental health then surely I can I can do that exactly, but yeah. again like I, I'm you know I'm coming from a place of privilege it's like you know um I've always been afforded the the almost the luxury of being able to speak about my emotions and mm. my friendship groups have always been great at um you know if if we can see someone's down, we do say, you know, what's up? Do you want to talk about it? So I think it, it somehow needs to be afforded to, to, to all walks of life and to yeah. all mindsets and to, to all parts of the world. It, it can't just be for, um, you know, people who were brought up around the table being, you know, asked the question of, no, how, how really was your day? What, what's really going mm. on? Um, so it's how to bring that into a more, uh, a more public eye, you know, mind, mindset and, I think with people like Ricky Hatton and Peter Crouch, it will really that will really move the the conversation along for sure. Absolutely, and it's and, and conversation like this with you, yeah. you know, you're you're very open about things like you talked about. You know that you're at the minute you're going through a very you've you've just been through a really horrible breakup, and you're, and you're chatting away about it. And you know, like you and I have only just met, and it's a wonderful yeah. thing that you're able to just you're able to talk about it with someone that you don't know. And you're like you talk about like you're growing up without a mum. Yeah, and there'll be other people listening to this that have had a similar thing, and I've, I I don't know what that feels like. I've I don't I I was lucky to have both parents around. They didn't divorce or split up or anything. So, mm. how was that for you growing up? That must have been difficult, or did it just? I suppose if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, really. I think I've had I've had a very close friend of mine recently who lost um lost her dad and. I think my my main thing we were speaking about it a bit, speaking quite frankly, and mm. she was, you know, not asking for advice, but just sort of saying, you know, what's what's it like? What was it like for you losing a parent? And I think for me, I, I always said it must be so in my head much more difficult for you at this age because you kind of intellectually know your parent, you know, you know what makes them laugh or what mm. makes them uh, cry or you know how to get their nerves or whatever it is. Whereas I think for me, I lost I lost my mum uh, when I was like around nine years old. Right. So it was it was mainly just sort of needs wants basis, but I had moments throughout my life where I sort of would see. I remember really clearly I was in a playground in uh, in uh, Battersea, and there, a boy fell over and like scraped his knee, and his mum came rushing over and like picked him up and sort of gave him a cuddle, and I think I was about what eleven or twelve or something, and I'm, I was just like, oh fuck, like I really I'd love that, yeah. really like that. Um, and I think in the sense of knowing something's missing but not quite being able to put your finger on it, I felt that throughout my whole life. I still do. Yeah. So but one day, you just, yeah, she just, she just was one day she was there, one day she wasn't. 
And yeah, I wonder if she wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my fucking my dad's my dad's got um, Tourette syndrome, so like he can't keep secrets or right. whatever to save his life. But I think, uh, yeah, I was like, my mum died of brain cancer. But when when I was about eight years old, we were in a burger restaurant, and I went to the toilet. And my um, my dad happened to go to the toilet too, and he just sort of blurts out, "Oh, mum's gonna die." And oh, I was wow. like, "Oh, dad, god damn!" <laughs> um, so I kind of found out in a very abrupt way. Yeah. Um, I think it helped because there's no there's no right way to tell someone awful news. No. It just comes out, and ha- however it is, is perfect. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, all these little funny musings that you hold on to, like we, uh, my mum died in a hospice, uh, hospice in Clapham, and uh, they uh, the, the workers there got all the kids together and they um, they gave them each a balloon, and they were mm. like, write write a note to your parent and attach it to the balloon, and it was quite a, uh, a breezy day in autumn. And we all released these balloons and we watched them go up and up and up. And they are uh, probably about 60% of them burst on this massive oak tree. <laughs> so like all these kids have just lost their parents. They're like, well, my fucking dreams are going up and smoke too. Ridiculous. Thanks so, for that. Cheers. Yeah. But it's, um, it's funny how we choose to remember people, you know, uh, like those are the moments that I hold on to more about my mum than yeah. uh, individual moments of her. Because to be honest, I can't really remember a lot of moments. I um I, gr- I grew up in Russia and then Turkey. Right, um, okay. I'm still convinced my dad's a spy, but his Tourette syndrome <laughs> would probably let him down. Well, um, he'd be the best spy because you wouldn't expect it. Do you know what I mean? This is, <laughs> see, it's still going on my head, Rich. Yeah. I'm still like, maybe he is. But, um, you know, so maybe that adds to it. I, move, I moved around a bit as a kid, so um, I don't have like crystallized moments. But I remember, mm. I sort of remember my mum through how I speak about her. So like conversations like this, I remember... I remember the balloon popping. I remember, you know, my dad getting emotional at his 50th speaking about his wife or like my, um, what is it? My dad always sings that Elton John song that goes, um, what is it? Uh, yeah, it's like, I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. And yeah. just the way he leans into that sentence whenever he sings it, you know, I can capture what my mum was oh, like throughout just that sentence. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's the thing about losing someone. They're, they're never really as cliche as it is, they're never really gone because they're kind of remembered and re-remembered through the way people speak about them or through the little memories they can they can add to the picture you're painting in your head. So, yeah. you know, I'm eternally sort of revisiting that. I remember that, listening to that song, there's a song by The The, it's called Love Is Stronger Than Death. Mm. And that was the first time I'd heard that phrase. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, of course it is. Yes, they're no longer here, but you still love them and the love is what keeps them in you like they're still that keeps you around keeps them around mm. and it really blew my head off to hear that phrase for the first time love is stronger than death i was like fuck man yeah it, that's what it, it is it's isn't amazing it? it's, yeah it's, that is honestly it's genius that but it's just so true but it's overlooked you kind of think oh they're gone now and that's the end of it yeah but i mean it's the same with it's it's what we're talking about that road of grief you just have to walk through it and then you can then revisit it with, with love rather than what you've lost. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's come up before, the, the talk about grief. A few people have been on and discussed it. We had a guy, on uh, Mark Lemon, who does a lot of work for for people that are... He helps people a lot of people with their grief because mm. uh, he lost his dad at a young age in a horrible way. And um, and he's doing great work. And it, it, talking to him, talking to uh, comic Ishan Akbar, talking about losing his mum, and it's taught me how 
grief, how it works, what grief, yeah. how you deal with grief. Grief never goes away. You just find a way of carrying it with you. And that's that was when I got told that again. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" You know that it, this 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 thing that they say. You know, yeah. I mean, you you've, the gaps between the, the the sadness are longer, but every now and again it still hits you. There's that moment you, you just get floored by it, and you know. But you just you've learned how to carry it around with you now. And mm. I found that was such an important message. I that it's well, it's just true, isn't it? It's it's brilliant yeah. that, and it just it just goes to show you for you know anyone going through anything that well it does get better and you it gets better because you learn how to deal with it yeah and that comes from talking to yourself and talking to other people and you know however else you get kind of closure and acceptance and peace um but it's such a valuable skill isn't it just to learn yeah, that oh you God, can yeah. you can carry on i can get through this that's fine yeah exactly exactly that and i think with you you're you're channeling a lot of your emotions into your work mm and I find that, and that's, I find that as well with what I do. I can talk about the things that are troubling me on stage. I can make a joke out of it and it makes it feel better. Mm. You know, if I can find some funny in the shit that I've gone through, you know, it, it, it's so, it, yeah, it's cathartic. And like listening to that your That is work, a perfect word, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to get it out. Completely. Know. Yeah. I had, I remember before it became a massive uh, book and then TV show, um, Adam, you know Adam Kay? Who did, yes. Uh, this is going to hurt. I saw him at the, um, I've been going to the, you know, Edinburgh Fringe since I was about 14 years old and it's like my second home. I love it. But the, um, I saw Adam Kay at the theatre festival in Edinburgh Brilliant. and he was in a room of about 45 people. But he did this whole performance, which uh, was then turned into the book and then the, uh, the TV show. But he, um, you know, the way he, he talks about junior doctors and it's always it's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. And then this is, this is my, well, this is the genius of what you do, Rich, like, you know, com comics. Um, and you lull people, in my opinion, to this beautiful sense of security with humor and comedy and charm and wit. And then it gets undercut at the end. And I've seen Daniel Sloss do it. I've seen Adam Kay do it. But these, they undercut it with a really serious message. Mm, and yeah. it just breaks you. And like he, you know, Adam Kay, when he spoke about um, how he, he quit, being a doctor after um, someone, you know, dying on his table and the whole the whole room is just completely flawed because, you know, the story of taking you one place and then realizing that life is about crashing and burning and then it's how you bounce back from the from the ashes to, you know, sort of can define who you are in that moment. But yeah, yeah it's why I love I love comedians man i think that i think they're genius brilliant oh, people. well i love poetry i i didn't really have a, a big understanding of poetry until i started doing a show called stand up and slam where it was comedians versus poets mm. and we had different topics and we had to you had to win the audience over and the audience voted on who on who won and then it, so sometimes the poets would win sometimes the comedians would win mm. and but it was the first time i'd met poets and realise that there's a whole, there's a vast scene, there's a massive world out there. It wasn't just you know the things that I'd grown up with. There's this whole spoken word oh, universe yeah. that I had yeah, no yeah. idea existed. Yeah, it's and crazy because it. it is. Yeah, it's it's a mad world because you've got this. Because um, you know I don't, I don't I don't know how many sort of commercial poets have made a real living since about the fifteen fifteen thirty three or something. But yeah. it's sort of like this world of like you know. George the poet and Kay Tempest and yeah. uh, Rupert Kill and all these poets who were sort of um, 
you know, able to basically make a living from poetry, which seems crazy. Um, but then also you've got, you know, slam poetry and then yeah. uh, spoken word poetry. And then, you know, you've got UK artists like, you know, Loyal Carner or Nux or, uh, you know, Frankie Stu and Harvey Garner, whoever it is, who are sort of like these rappers who I, you know, I mean, rap is just rhythm and poetry. So it's, you know, it's one and the same, really. And it's kind of, I think it's making a real name for itself at the moment. And it's a really exciting time for um, for poetry. The only thing I hate yeah. is that I go to, you get to some of these gigs or you get invited to a performance. And I just, I don't like the clicking. It drives, oh, man. doves my head in. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're honestly, yeah. they're making a shit. I know some people love it, but I'm just sort of like, it makes it such a, have you watched um, 22 Jump Street? No. Uh, it's a, a film with a, uh, um, oh, no, yeah. I have no, yeah, yeah. And, but there's a scene where he does this, like, there's apparently two things. There's like a spoken word voice where people are like, I'm here and, writing for the people who are or whatever like this kind of <laughs> yeah. lilt breakup and then also the clicking it's just those two things i just really i don't know i'm like just talk yeah. just talk if it happens to rhyme in time then that's what it is but yeah just just speak it that's all we need i remember seeing uh so i married an axe murderer and there's a bit oh, yeah. of that and he goes whoa man whoa man and it's all yeah 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 <laughs> it's all like the finger cracking so good but i love your stuff yeah. And um, I believe you're gonna have, are you gonna read some for us. I am, mate. Yeah, I got. Yeah. A, um, I've got. I've got one that I did. I wrote for my um, my sister, but you know, it's applicable to to whoever, really. But it's just sort of about those feelings of uh, when sometimes the sad sort of feels better than feeling good, and like that's that's completely fine. That's okay. Yeah. So I thought I'd do that one for you. If that's right. Lovely. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to, you can, I don't know, you can add some little little Don't music behind it or whatever. It's <laughs> clip. Oh, if you want to, mate. I'll be leaving if you do. I'm joking. Um, yeah, so it goes like this. So, well, she'd hide inside her room next to the records that she collects, looking for better ways to spend the hours and the days that don't connect. She was down on herself and just wishing she had someone to say. Sometimes the sad feels better than feeling good. And that's okay. You know, sometimes we do want blue skies to fade away into clouds of perfect grey. She thought a life of just happiness sounds pretty sad anyway. So she tied herself over by tying blankets around her waist and racing around the room with the power she so craved. She was superwoman, a super suit that suited her best, red trails that flew behind her with an S on her chest. See, with that blanket on her body, she could be anyone. You know, she could be anywhere. She could beat down on the sounds of lonely and scared and break away from the bubble that troubled her cares. It was a path to a new you, but who knew that she too would run around with such blues, passing people in pain, but she'd just smile on through. So she'd keep herself inside and hide in her room with a view. Let imagination run wild with a floor of lava, this child of laughter running after the same life that passed her, passing time by picking pillows and shadow boxing with herself, trying to chase it off her body to see how Peter Pan felt. And Peter Pan and the gang would sit and watch from the shelf. The lost boys and other toys knew that something was out. But since Toy Story gave away the game, they weren't allowed to scream and shout. They weren't allowed to move around her and keep her calm while the sound of thunder and rain that came every winter found her. Found her and pushed her down to the deep depths underwater. If only it was normal to have down days, she thought. And that thought made her sad, like airports at Christmas. You know, saying goodbye to the ones who will miss us. Saying goodbye to the ones who will fly into that dark night sky and you stand there and witness. You 
stand there and grimace. You wave and you finish with tears streaming down your face. You fall and you feel it. You fall to the floor in a ball and you scream it. And she picked up her favorite book and she threw it hard down to the ground. And it landed with loud sound and from out of it slid a note that had never been found. A note signed from mother. And she picked it up with these trembling fingertips and she started to read aloud. Just reading aloud the wise words of motherly wisdom. Her eyes burnt from the first verb so lovingly written. She felt hurt at first, but then she read and she listened. And it said, with love and with light, in the chapters of life, pain will always hold a page. And sometimes the process of progress is an uncomfortable phase. But once you read through the writing, you'll see that lighter days are just a chapter away. But while you're in the middle of it all, don't pretend to be okay, because sometimes the sad feels better than feeling good. So let it stay. Let it stay while you spend a smile with a friend. The ones who hold you in their home without charging you rent. The ones who know that you're alone from the way you pick up the phone. That lower tone that you own, they hear it because they're heavenly sent. You know, how often we neglect the down days and just spin them with a smile. If only we spoke for a while, we'd see that beings are wild and that feelings like seasons will go and change with the time. So love all of you, including the sad parts of your mind. And that is the poem. Mate. My God, that was incredible. Thank you <laughs> thank so you, much mate. for that. Of course, man. My oh, pleasure. man. And thank you so much for coming on to talk to me today. It's been thank an you for absolute, having me on the show, honestly. Oh, man. It's been an absolute joy. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, where can we find you on the socials? So you can find me, it's just my name. So you can find me at, at Dan Whitlam. So that's D-A-N-W-H-I-T-L-A-M. And that's on, yeah, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Spotify, whatever you want. So yeah, excellent, excellent. and lots to be uh, sort of announced and released on there. So we'll go. Yeah, there. got yeah. some stuff. Got some stuff coming up. Yeah, got some bits coming up. So we good. good man. I'm glad to hear it, Dan. Thank you so much. Thank you for keeping the conversation going. Of course, it's, mate. It's honestly, it's it's fucking great what you're doing. Thank so you. I really, I really there. appreciate you having me on. Thank you for saying that, Rich. Honestly, absolutely, nice my pleasure. Thank you very much. Great to meet you. Ah, it's been a great show. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time on Insane in the Membrane. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.